of offending people who don't believe in Jesus. Oh, what do I think? Who cares? Let's tell them the truth. Don't give me, they're just living their truth. Let God be true and every man a liar. In other words, if it doesn't come from the book, it's not true. Pagan news outlets rejoice over the future demise of American Christianity. Does America's changing spiritual landscape spell bad news for the church? We discuss. And we deep end on illegal immigration for the first time ever on the channel. And we get to hear from a legal immigrant on the question, are these countries really sending rapists, murderers, criminals? What's the truth? And we found out which country has the strongest immigration policy in the world. It's the People's Democratic Republic of Martha's Vineyard. This is your favorite night of the week. Welcome to the deep end on Tim Hatch live. Oh, guys, welcome back. Hello, YouTube. Hello, everybody. Make sure that you're hitting that subscribe button, that like button, that notification bell button, all the buttons that you need to press to make sure that you get this delivered to your smartphone or your smart device or your smart TV. And whenever we go live, I I'm glad to be here. It is episode seven of season six on the deep end where we discuss news politics of the day through the christian worldview lens or biblical lens i'm not perfect at this but i'm doing my very best to help guide you through what's going on in the in the crazy world that is 2022 and today we've got a lot to talk about a lot of fun ahead on the show feels like a fun day let me know in the comments where you're watching from i always love to find out where the audience is scattered about in the internet world martha's vineyard has me cracking up has me cracking up i'm sure it has you cracking up i'm i'm glad to discuss this today it's probably a little bit late but better late than never and uh i want to first though talk about some news that broke yesterday out of pew research studies Christianity on the decline this is nothing new by the way in america according to pew research uh, Christianity in America is going to be a minority population within a few decades. Should we be worried? That brings me to Deep End News. Deep, 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 deep End News. The news you choose if you could choose news. Yeah, so should we be worried? Should we be worried about what we keep hearing? The, the flood of paganism into our culture's conscience, right, is starting to bear fruit in terms of turning out more non-believers or non-Christians, if you will, choose your definition. So the news is pagans rejoice, Christianity is dwindling in America. Again, Pew Research finding out that if the current trends continue, the number of Christians in America will be a minority uh, population or a minority segment of the population by the, by the year 2070. So there's 64% of Americans uh, who call themselves Christians right now. Now, let's stop right there. Do you think, based on what you see happening in America right now, would you say that the majority are Christian? I, I wouldn't say that. I mean, I know that we have a lot of good people in this country and a lot of good Christians in this country, but based on what we celebrate, based on the trajectory that we're currently on, based on the heated political rhetoric, the... Um, outright hatred for one another, the calling each other names, the rise in uncivility or incivility on our streets, in our churches, in our families. Would you say that all of that bears witness to a predominantly Christian culture? I think maybe it's based on how you compare us to the rest of the world, but when you compare us to how we should live as Christians, I guarantee you that we are far from where we should be. 
Now, people who are religiously unaffiliated, we call these people, or social scientists call these people, the nuns. Not N-U-N, the N-O-N-E-S. And they account uh, now for 30% of the U.S. population. Think about that. 30% of the population says no religious affiliation whatsoever. I, I'm not a Christian. I'm not a Muslim. I'm not. Uh, and, 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 and there's a lot of, actually, um, if you go down deeper into the studies of these spiritual nuns, you find out that most of them pray. Most of them believe in a God or a higher power of some sort. Most of them would attend church. Most of them share a lot of religious practices, even though they don't adhere to a religious establishment. And that's something that you always hear, right? You always hear people say, well, I, I distrust organized religion. I'm not into organized religion. And, and, and I get that. I understand that. A lot of people have been hurt by the church. A lot of people have been hurt by Christians. A lot of people have been scared off by the scandals with regards to priests and uh, pedophiles in the priesthood and in the pastoral ministry of the Protestant faith. And so there are a lot of reasons that are really the, the outflow of bad Christianity that causes people to walk away from Christianity. And in those senses, I understand where they're coming from. Now, many news outlets were awash in the celebration of yesterday's news. As Pew Research noted, uh, 50%, sub 50% population of the, pop, uh, of, the, of the population being Christian by 2070. NPR, America's Christian majority is on track to end. Uh, another article says the modeling of future, the mo modeling of the future of religion in America. This article says Christians could fall to less than 50%. Nuns could be more than 50% by US in the US by 2070. So there's a lot of news articles out there that are just, you know, ready to uh, print the obituary on religious faith in our country. And people love to talk about this. It's always breaking news. Like this is not something that I'm unaware of happening in the culture. I've been a Christian for two plus decades. I was raised in a Christian home. I remember in my small town in Western Massachusetts where I grew up, they would have an ecumenical service and literally on, I think on Thanksgiving, and literally everyone in the town would show up. I remember most of my friends in high school went to a church of some sort, whether it be Catholic or congregational or Methodist or whatever. A lot of people used to nominally adhere to Christianity. But we all knew back then, those who truly read the Bible could see clearly that most of these people meant nothing beyond the Sunday morning experience or very little beyond the Sunday morning experience. And so news outlets, they love to talk about the dwindling numbers of Christianity. They love to talk about and celebrate almost the dwindling of Christian faith. Like it's not something that Jesus said would happen to us as his return gets closer. He said that the love of most would grow cold. That's Matthew chapter 24, verse 11. The closer we get to Christ's return, the fewer Christians we should actually see in the world. So I, I do think we can celebrate in the sense that this is God's word coming true once again. And God prepared us. Jesus prepared us for this news thousands of years ago. But I do think that there's a whole segment of the population that honestly just loves shaking off that old dirty sweater called Christian faith. You know, the faith that provided the world uh, booming economic freedom and liberty, the faith that provided the elevation of, the, of women's dignity and minorities' dignity, that 
fought to end slave trading across the Atlantic in the 18 and 17 and 1800s that established public education, advanced literacy, promoted wealth and prosperity, health care, hospitals, foster agencies, adoption agencies, and America's most notable universities from Harvard and Princeton to Yale and Dartmouth. Literally all four of those notable universities in our country started for the advancement of the Christian faith to prepare ministers to preach the gospel across this country. Literally Dartmouth's motto is still the words of John the Baptist from Matthew chapter 4 or 3, prepare a way in the wilderness for the Lord. But let's celebrate, the pagans say. Let's celebrate the belief system that made the most worthwhile improvements in human history. It's finally being cast off. We are moving forward. And yes, we are, aren't we? Now we can move forward with gender reassignment surgeries for 15-year-olds, prescribing chemical castration drugs like Lupron for our prepubescent girls going through a tomboy phase. And then we can worship at the altar of Kim Kardashian and LeBron James while we watch civility die a slow death. Peaceful protests burn down our cities and political partisanship separates families on Thanksgiving. Our government can continue to hand the corrupt Ukraine government billions of dollars while inflation soars and wages stagnate here at home. Women can march in the street for the right to murder their unborn children. And those who are lucky enough to have not had their brains sucked out by an abortionist vacuum can possibly be born to a two-dad family who paid for a surrogate to unceremoniously deliver them a designer baby of their choice. Yes! Now that child gets to grow up with no biological mother to nurture it, no biological father to discipline it, and no Christianity to shape its moral foundations so that it can grow up absolutely confused about who it is. Good riddance, Christianity. The best is yet to come. Mm -hmm. This is the kind of dialogue that is utterly detached, of course, from historical reality. And men's hearts are so hard. They won't realize what we've lost until it's too late. No, they're going to celebrate it. Like this piece from the Fresno Bee. This is out in, uh, or sorry, no, first this piece from, <laughs> from the Washington Post. Now the Washington Post has to go straight to Trump, right? They, they have to put this opinion piece. White conservative Christians ignore their real problem of fleeting flock. Right to Trump, Jennifer Rubin. Right to the picture in front of St. John's Parish during the 2020 protests of Trump holding up the Bible, right? That's always the target. And that's, that's the... Washington Post way of linking every Bible-believing Christian with Donald Trump. Let me just tell you, nothing could be further from the truth. I know many Bible-believing, Jesus-believing Christians who don't like President Trump. I have good friends who refuse to vote for him, and I understand their point. Now, some are very pro-Trump, maybe a majority of those who call themselves evangelical. But again, does the current moral trajectory of our country suggest to you that we are right now a majority Bible-believing Christian faith nation? No. No, 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 no. But let's pause on the celebration of this trajectory anyhow. So now, now to that piece from the Fresno Bee. The title of the piece is A True Measure of American Freedom. Becoming a Less Christian Nation, as polls show. This is by Andrew Fiella. Uh, and, and, and I just want to tear apart, literally, what this guy writes. He says the religious composition of the United States has changed significantly in the past 50 years, and then he cites the study. In 1972, 90% of Americans were Christians. Today, only 64%. And if the rate continues in the next 50 years, it'll be 46%. Now, those who have left Christianity have mostly turned away from organized religion. Social scientists call this group the nuns. When asked about their religious affiliation, they say none. During the past 50 years, nuns increased from 5% to 30%. If the trend remains the same, uh, five decades from now, 40% of the population will be nuns. Now, first off, 
uh, he says this line, right? He says, if this is, this is what happens in the world of religious liberty, right there in this first paragraph. No, no, no. This is what happens in a country that targets for ridicule, humiliation, and demonization only one particular religious faith. That faith is Christianity. The only faith that is public enemy number one, not Hinduism, not uh, Islam, certainly not Islam. My, my word, they might, they might do something that would hurt you, Charlie Headbow headquarters, right? So the only religion that has been given cultural leniency, allowance, if you will, to be mocked, demonized, scorned, hated, vilified, uh, presented in pop culture as uh, out of date, wrong side of history, horribly uh, bigoted and racist and homophobic is the Christian religion. So this is not what happens, my friend, in a world of religious liberty. This is what happens when a culture demonizes the very thing, the very foundation that gave it liberty in the first place. Okay. The article goes on. There are also, non-Christian religious affiliations, Jews, Muslims, says that, that that's at 6% right now. If the trend continues, it'll be 13% in 50 years. Still a vast minority of the population. The result will likely be a country in which Christianity is no longer the dominant religion. Some may view this as a tragedy, especially those who maintain that America ought to be a Christian nation. By the way, I'm not one of those people. Uh, I said on the deep dive last week, we are not and never were a Christian nation. There's no such thing as a Christian nation. There's just Christians in a nation. And I believe and I hope for more Christians in our nation. And we all should hope for that because I believe Christians who believe the Bible can do a lot of good as they have done in human history. Uh, and, and we need that again today. But anyway, he says this. Proponents of secular social pro, uh, political systems will suggest that this is just the way liberty works. If people give the free, are given the freedom to choose their own path through life, then we ought to see a profusion of lifestyles, affiliations, and identities. Oh, yes, we do. We sure do see a profusion of lifestyles, affiliations, and identities. We see more confusion amongst our young. We see the uh, incredible ex uh, explosive growth of queer identities, uh, transgender identities, young people growing up more suicidal than ever before in our history. This is what we should celebrate, the, the lack of seeing them for who they really are, made in the image of God with dignity and inherent worth from their father in heaven who need a savior rather than medication. Like this is, this is something we should celebrate, seeing them as just the descendants of apes and monkeys. This is what we should celebrate, seeing them as just biological cosmic accidents who are loaded up with depression, anxiety, and so pop pills and, and get your breast cut off because you might go through a bad phase in life. This is something we should celebrate? No, not at all. But again, divorce from historical fact. The article goes on. The Pew Research Center does not offer an explanation as to why all this began to occur, uh, all this change began to occur after the 1970s. But such an explanation might include the fact that liberal interpretations of the First Amendment in the middle of the 20th century fanned the flames of liberty. That's not actually true, again. But he does say school prayer was prohibited along with devotional Bible readings in the 1960s. The civil rights movement changed immigration laws, opened doors and eyes, and a bigger, freer world emerged. This does not mean that American secularism is opposed to religion, as some religious folks claim. The First Amendment framework is not anti-religious. It protects the free expression of religion while preventing the state from creating an establishment of religion. This framework is good for religious people because it allows them to pursue their own faith in their own way. Uh, I can kind of agree with a little bit of what he says here. Then he says, but as liberty grows, and that again, <laughs> that is not true. Liberty is not growing. My friends, the COVID pandemic proved that liberty is not growing. Liberty is on the, on the cusp of dying. Literally, that's what the COVID pandemic just proved. Okay, so let's not pretend that we're expanding freedoms and liberty. 
<laughs> that is not happening. Some crazy liberties, yes. Again, like gender transitions and all that kind of stuff. But anyway, he goes on and he says, as liberty grows, a world of possibilities unfolds. This includes the likelihood that people will leave old traditions behind in order to make meaning for themselves in new and different ways. And that's exactly right. <laughs> Again, with absolute confusion. Uh, promulgated amongst our young. Lowers of liberty should several celebrate our shifting religious demogra 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 demography. Sorry, <laughs> can't read. Religious switching is a sign of our freedom. One of the great defenders of liberty, the philosopher John Stuart Mill, spoke of the importance of experiments in liberty living. We need to be free to explore and experiment because no human being has a monopoly on truth. Uh, that also is not true. There was one human being and is one human being who has a monopoly on truth. He is the truth. Okay, this is how you answer these, these oppo opponents of Christian faith. There is one person who is, he has the, the trademark uh, patent on truth. His name is Jesus Christ. And he came and he showed us the truth. He was the truth and he died for us who were living in lies. He died for, and he rose again to bear witness to the fact that he is the living truth. But anyway, uh, he says this, to believe something, we must experience it for ourselves. And if the old traditions no longer make sense, we should be free to create new ones. I actually kind of agree with that. To believe in something, we need to experience it ourselves. That is true. And I, as a Christian minister, can agree with that because I know that a lot of people, they'll never come to Christ on an argument. They'll never come to Christ on a debate. They'll never come to Christ because you, you know, denounced them or hated them or, you know, demonized them. But they will come to Christ when they experience the love of Christ, when they experience the calling and election of God. Jesus himself said, no one can come to me unless the Father first draws him to me. So yes, we have to experience it ourselves. And then it says, if old traditions no longer make sense, we should be free to create new ones. Experimentation helps us discover new and better ideas. That's not always true because uh, 70 years ago, we were experimenting, experimenting with nuclear bombs. And ever since then, the world has gone crazy over nuclear weaponry and the worst could happen at any moment in human history. So anyway, the process is also good for faith and traditions. Competition in the realm of ideas encourages people to think more carefully about what they really believe and why they believe it. Some people don't like the marketplace of ideas. If your faith once had a monopoly, you may not welcome challenges to your dominance. You may resent new ideas and liberty that allows them to be born. No, that's not really the case. We Christians believe that there is a philosophy of human life that is beneficial for more people than less. There, there is a philosophy of how you should operate your body, how you should treat your neighbor, how you should treat marriage, how you should define marriage and the family. And these things lead to health. These things lead to prosperity. These things lead to human flourishing. And there are bad ideas. And some of those bad ideas come from false religions. Most of them come from false religions. And yes, the Christian faith has had a horrible historical record on some civil liberties and human rights abuses. But the vast majority, like we talked about with the British Empire last week, the vast majority of Christian history has provided so much good to the world. It's not even close. He says intolerance is natural to mankind, as, and that's not, that's not uh, wrong. Intolerance is natural to mankind, but Christians, if you, if you do your research, and I think this is why there's been such a move away from Christianity, is that historically Christians are far more tolerant than non-Christians. That's just a fact. He says, genuine, genuine religious freedom has rarely been practiced in human history. Bigotry and persecution are more common. Socrates and Jesus were both killed for opposing traditional dogma. That's also... Um, theologically inaccurate. Jesus said, no one takes away my life. I freely lay it down. He was put to death according to the foreknowledge of God, the foreknowledge and plan and purposes of God, Acts chapter two. 
So again, just answering some of his statements here. The Protestants of Europe were persecuted by the old regime. Some fled to America where they wrote religious tolerance into law. That is true. In a world of liberty, nothing says, stays the same for long. We are creative and curious beings. Free people explore and innovate. Old traditions get left behind or they grow and adapt to the needs of the present. But the future belongs to the vitality of the experimental mind. Okay, so anyway... This is the celebration, right? This is the celebration of our world. Less Christianity, more paganism, more non-belief, and we're going to progress. We're going to progress from this. We're going to we're going to do better for this. I I suggest I submit to you we are going to do worse. And here's the bottom line argument I want to make. If the crazy we are seeing happening with Christianity right now is because it's at 64% of the population, what's the crazy we can expect when Christianity is 34% of the population. Like, think about how nutso the world is right now. And if Christianity even has less of an impact on the world, all hell's about to break loose. Like, for instance, Oxford University is hosting the former Cash Me Outside girl, Bad Babby. Bad Babby. Sorry, Bad Babby. She has been invited to speak at the University of Oxford. The University of Oxford. Okay, uh, the, the, the university that was, again, founded on Christian faith and principles has hosted people such as Sir John Lennon, or sorry, Sir Elton John and Albert Einstein and so many others. Baddy, Babby, sorry, born uh, Danielle Brigoli has reportedly been asked to speak there in the debating society known as the Oxford Union, TMZ reported. Now, this is also a school where former President Ronald Reagan, Richard Nixon, Jimmy Carter, Bill Clinton have spoken to this group, not to mention Queen Elizabeth II, may she rest in peace, Dalai Lama, Mother Teresa, Malcolm X. Uh, This is now who they're asking to speak, a seventh grade dropout. And she started a program to get kids to avoid college altogether and go to trade schools. So I don't know how that you know, jives with Oxford University inviting her to speak on stage. Gone are the days, though, when the heralded universities of our culture would invest in things like, I don't know, astronomy and biology and civics and government and Western civilization. These used to be the hallmarks of university education. Now it's the OnlyFans star because I believe she has an OnlyFans. Yeah, she's an OnlyFans star as well. It's how you get this story out of Canada, uh, Toronto, I'm sorry, Ontario, Canada. College cancels Christian groups Wilberforce Academy over its beliefs on marriage. So porn stars in Christians who believe men and women should get married and stay married for life and raise children out. Like that's the trajectory of Western civilization. This is from Fitzwilliam College in Cambridge, England. A college at Cambridge University has canceled an event for young Christian professionals saying that the values of the organizers, organizers do not support same-sex marriage and are not compatible with the values of the college. The group lawyers told a high court this week, the one-week conference is for university students and young professionals to help them apply their Christian faith in the current culture and more specifically within their chosen vocations, including law, politics, education, media, arts, and businesses. So yeah, we don't want pesky Christians sitting there and learning about politics and law, they might actually enact laws that lead to human flourishing. <laughs> but this is what's happened. This is the trajectory of college campuses. And I said Ontario, Canada. This is not. This is actually in England. Again, commensurate with what's happening in Oxford. So again, porn star in, Christian faith out. This is exactly what God said in Romans chapter 1, verse 24. This is exactly what he said. Uh, verse 24, God gave them up to the lust of their flesh. 
uh, to the hearts of impurity, to the dishonoring of the bodies among themselves because they exchange the truth of God for a lie and worship and serve the creator. So God gives us over, God gives cultures over to their, to their pornography addictions or their lustful addictions or their sexual proclivities. And, and this is sometimes, again, as the Bible unpacks for us in Romans 1, how the wrath of God operates. The wrath of God is not God throwing us into a burning fire where the devil pokes us with a pitchfork for all eternity. The wrath of God is sometimes just getting what we want. Literally, that's what it is. It's getting what we want. We want sexual craziness. We're going to get it. And part of the reason why we have fewer Christians is because, listen to this, we have fewer dads who follow Christ. We have a fatherless pandemic right now. It is astronomical, the number, the rising numbers of fatherless children or broken home families. And the reason for fatherlessness, I believe, is the proliferation of pornography. Pornography offers men work-free sex, work-free pleasure. You can take advantage and objectify the woman on the screen or in real life, if you pay for a prostitute, I guess, or whatever, and you don't actually have to work or try hard to win the woman's heart or provide for her or take her into a home that you have built for her. You just have sex when you want it, the way you want it, to absolutely serve yourself. And this has led to a selfish pandemic in the heart of men. See, men are made to sacrifice. Men are made to lay down their lives. That's what Adam should have done when Eve sinned. He should have laid down his life for her, but Jesus Christ does that for us. Right? This is what men, this is why Paul says in Ephesians 5, husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church. In other words, lay down your life for your wife. Men are meant to give sacrifice for something bigger than themselves. This is why guys will uh, work their bodies to death for the sake of being a, a sports star or they'll study like crazy to climb the intellectual ladders of society or they'll get up early to go fishing and catch the you know 36 inch bass or whatever it is men are willing to sacrifice for things that are bigger than themselves and pornography and sexualization of a culture which absolutely devastates the mentality of a young man and gives him instant pleasure for no sacrifice and then when he considers marriage and children, he just keeps putting it off and putting it off and putting it off and putting it off because that entails work and sacrifice and they're not sure they want it when they can get instant pleasure for low cost now. So again, exactly what happened in Romans chapter one is happening now. God handing us over to the lusts of our flesh. And if we don't wake up, something terrible, more terrible is going to happen to our culture. And that's why I do this show. That's why I do this content, because we've got to know the truth. And the actual absolute truth is you cannot have a civil society without civil agreement on what's right, what's proper, and what's valuable. Look, the, the, the people of Israel tried this in the book of Judges. It says that they did everything as they saw right in their own eyes. And the book of Judges ends with a terrible moment where a guy cuts up his concubine and sends her body parts to the 12 tribes of Israel. And then the whole nation devolves uh, uh, morally and, uh, you know, communally into a civil war and they end up destroying each other. And that might be where the cultural West is headed. You can't have diversity of theology like the progressives want us to have. You just can't. Ladies and gentlemen, in Muslim countries, they execute gays. They throw them off buildings. They execute women who commit adultery. Do we want that diversity? Are we going to celebrate that? 
In some Hindu countries, they kill you or, or, or leave you to die if you're an injured woman. Do we want that divert? Do we want to embrace that and sell? Oh, good. Cast off Christianity. Let's embrace that. We, we've tried the you do you bit spiritually. It does not work. History bears witness to what I am telling you right now. This past weekend, we're also seeing cracks in the dam in the West. Andy No on Twitter uh, reporting that in England, mass brawling and disorder broke out in Leicester, Leicester, England over the weekend between groups of Muslims and Hindus. Police struggled to respond and religious leaders are being used to plead for calm. This is just the beginning. The next video shows that rioting later that night continued. And then even later in that night, a Hindu temple was targeted for attack by Muslims. My friends, wake up to how the rest of the world has operated for much of human history. <laughs> there is a reason why in most American communities, you can walk down the street and have a disagreement with someone and not kill them and attack them. We, we don't have a record of Methodists beating down Baptists physically in this country in the last century. Maybe way back in the 1700s, that might have been the case, but it does not happen now. Because when Christianity flourishes in a culture, the culture becomes far more peaceful and tolerant. So let us beware of celebrating the demise of American Christianity because we will pay the price. Now, on the good side, I want to tell you, and this is a fact, that God has always had a people reserved for himself. That happens in 1 Kings chapter 19 when Elijah feels all alone. God says, I have reserved 7,000 for myself. That happens in Jeremiah 23. Jeremiah, the weeping prophet who always felt like he was alone. God says, I will gather the remnant of my flock out of the countries where I've driven them. And then in Romans chapter 11, we talked about this last year on the deep dive, that there is a present time remnant of God's people saved by grace out of the Jewish people. So even when we think that the worst is yet to come, understand that God always has someone who loves him and will serve him. And we'll follow him because he's the one who saves us. We don't get saved ourselves. And if he saves us, he sustains us and he keeps us. So how should we respond? And this is where I want to leave this bit. First, we should say a hearty farewell to the takers and users of the Christian faith. Goodbye. Seriously, a lot of the people walking out the doors of Christianity right now were never really Christians. They were just takers. They loved the benefits of the Christian church and the faith. But now that it might cost them to believe in Christ, they're out the door and I want to say as a pastor, goodbye. Secondly, there is always uh, an opportunity for us to weep for the lost and pray and call out to God and hope that this trend will turn around, right? This is not, the, God does not want this to happen. Second Peter 3, 9 says he's, he doesn't want any to perish. First Timothy 2, 4 says he desires all people to be saved. So let's weep and pray and, and work for the lost. Like, let's pray. That's number three. Preach, reach as fiercely as possible. People need Christ. You know, when they come up empty, following the idols of our culture, let us, the church, be ready to welcome them with open arms as the father welcomed home the prodigal son and threw him a party because he knew that life outside of the house would be horrible for the boy. And so it is true for many in our culture today. And fourthly, and finally, can I challenge you here? If you're a Christian, give and serve to make this happen. Give and serve to see people come to Christ. Do you know that the statistics bear this out, that giving in the church was higher 
during the Great Depression than it has been over the last 30 to 40 years, percentage-wise of people's economy, of people's personal economics. People were giving more to their local church in the Great Depression than right now. And a lot of the people that complain about the moral decay of our country are some of the cheapest Christians out there. And then as soon as the church talks about money, they get all worked up. They get all fresh. Oh, you just want my money. Get out of here with that. The church barely talks about money today. The church barely mentions it. And I know, I know you see guys on the television who are always asking you for money, but don't judge your local pastor by that moron. Seriously, stop it. What about you? You're going to give, you're going to serve, you're going to make it happen, you're going to help the church reach the lost. If you have a gospel preaching, Bible believing church and you're not giving to it, this is on you. You're part of the problem. You are bringing cultural contamination to bear in this country. You need to lay down your life for Christ's sake and be part of the solution instead of just complaining about the problem. So that's what I have to say about that. Now, let's shift gears. I don't talk about illegal immigration on the show, but I'm going to now. And I know a few illegal immigrants. I also know a few legal immigrants, and I'm married to one. And we're going to talk about that in just a moment. But we got to talk about this because Martha's Vineyard made news last week, courtesy of Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida. So let's get into Pastor Reacts. Yeah, we have an illegal immigration problem in our country. A whopping 4.9 illegal immigrants have crossed our border since Biden took office. Uh, The 47 million foreign-born residents is the highest in the country's history. That's as of April 2022. It's even higher now. The foreign-born population is growing at 132,000 a month since Biden took office. Under Trump, it was 42,000 a month. And then illegal immigrants committed 1,178 assault and domestic violence crimes in 2021, which represents a 400% increase from the 208 in 2020. Then lastly, there's been a 1,900% increase in homicide by illegal immigrants from 2021. Now, some of you are going to say, uh-oh, here comes the Trump doctrine of they're sending the rapists and the murderers, the criminals, and they're not. And then some of them are escaping political oppression and there's some of them are escaping political hardship and okay that's your assumption don't make assumptions based on political ideology let's look at the facts let's look at these facts first of all when you think about foreign-born residents you say is that a problem foreign-born residents if they're illegal if they haven't gone through the process and the great cost of of getting here legally that is a problem because they don't care they come to take they come to take away not all of them but many of them, they come to take the benefits of the society without making any sacrifice to be part of the society. And I understand that many of the illegal immigrants pay taxes in several ways, but many of them avoid taxes in several ways. And you can see the crime statistics that have risen over the last couple of years. This is a problem. This is a serious problem. And credit to Ron DeSantis for exposing something in our country that I never knew was true. But here's the reality. Are you ready? Here's the reality that Ron DeSantis just exposed. Martha's Vineyard has the strongest immigration policy in the world. <laughs> it really does. You, you've heard this right now. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis flew 50, just 50, 5-0, migrants from Venezuela who, who would come into Florida to Martha's Vineyard for an unannounced drop-off to deal with the rapid influx of illegal immigrants in Florida. 
Now, some on the other side of the political aisle are calling for a Department of Justice investigation. They're saying this is human trafficking. There, there needs to be something done about this and shame on Ron DeSantis using these people, these 50 migrants as political pawns. Uh, shame on him for trafficking them to the horrible place of Martha's Vineyard. I'm, I'm just going to say something here. If there's somewhere to be trafficked, I'll take Martha's Vineyard. If anyone out there is interested in trafficking this guy, traffic me to Martha's Vineyard. I'm just just telling you, some of the overreaction from the other side, they would have a point if they weren't so blatantly hypocritical about what they believe. For instance, let's take a look at a sign that is very much visible at Martha's Vineyard all across the community offices. It says, we respect women. We value black lives. We stand with LGBTQ members. We stand with immigrants, with, with refugees, with indigenous peoples, with people of all faiths. We stand with our community. Like this is Martha's Vineyard being Martha's Vineyard. In word, but not deed. <laughs> So shortly after the news broke, many people on the island did step up to help. This is a picture of St. Andrew's Episcopal Church. Uh, many of the people who probably hadn't been to church since Easter showed up to suddenly show their support for the 50 migrants, providing some food, some a potluck dinner. Who knows when the last potluck dinner they had at that church happened. But anyway, the migrants brought it on. But it wasn't before long before the leaders of the wealthy island heading into the off season, by the way, and plenty of open spaces for these migrants to stay told the migrants, it's time, they gots to go. This is Martha's Vineyard Homeworth's shelter coordinator, Lisa Belcastro, on the migrants flown in. Watch what she says. So, What are the most difficult challenges right now? The difficult challenges are, uh, we have, at some point in time, they have to move to somewhere else, right? We, we cannot, we don't have the services to take care of 50 immigrants. Um, and we, we certainly don't have housing. We're in a housing crisis as we are on this island. And so we, we don't, we can't house everyone here that lives here and works here. We don't have housing for 50 more people. For 50 more people on one of the most luxurious spots in the world, Martha's Vineyard. Now, a 2017 Wall Street Journal article highlights the fact that the residents in Martha's Vineyard were far more willing to hire immigrants than their own high school students because they work harder and they do the work that Americans don't want to do. Remember when George W. Bush used to say that all the time? But anyway, they don't have room because, of course, it is the end of the season. Like, it's time to clean out the Airbnb, not rent it, and certainly not house anybody in it because next season's coming up and it'll be here before you know it. <laughs> and let's talk about that Airbnb short rental business in the Martha's Vineyard. An article from the Vineyard Gazette says short-term rental tax generates millions. 2,650 properties in Martha's Vineyard have registered as short-term, that would be Airbnb rentals, since the state expanded its levy, tax levy on lodging almost three years ago, generating about $16.5 million in revenue for the island town so far. So again, the city, the, the area, Martha's Vineyard, has a lot of money to be made if they keep those Airbnb properties available. And by the way, young people who are looking for a house, this is why you can't afford a house, because the rich white liberals in Martha's Vineyard are buying up the properties and airbnb them out. So the gig economy that you look to for your answers economically are also being leveraged by the people richer than you, more powerful than you, to stifle you. That's exactly what's happening. And then look at this Washington Post piece. Three days ago, reporting that even doctors can't afford housing on the island anymore. And then listen to this woke scolds. The indigenous people who have lived on the island through family for centuries have been priced out of the market as well on, Marcus, on Martha's Vineyard. 
been doing. So like the Native Americans before them, the migrants were booted swiftly from the island. And my favorite headline on this whole issue came from CNN on September 18th. When was that? That was two days ago. Look at this article. It is hilarious. Quote, they enriched us, end quote. Migrants' 44-hour visit leaves indelible mark on Martha's Vineyard. So the citizens start unpacking the fact that, you know what? It was really wonderful to have them there for 44 hours. You literally can count the amount of time you left them on the island or allowed them to be on the island in hours and not days, and you walk away from the event with the... It really felt wonderful. You know, it reminds me of so many Christians that serve only for the feeling of serving that they get from serving. Like, you know, it reminds me of this meme that I created, actually, of the most interesting man in the world saying, I don't always serve others, but when I do, I make sure it's about me. Like, why <laughs> this vineyard nailing it here? And the article goes on. You can read it for yourself. But I just want to highlight the fact that the, what happened was one of the members or residents of Martha's Vineyard was shown phones by one of the migrants about how many people died on the way to get there and how awful it is. And then the bottom of the article says it's heartbreaking to see these beautiful young ladies become desensitized, end quote. Uh, yeah, who's getting desensitized? The person who's coming to America illegally or the person who is so desensitized to the fact that they are in that much hardship you can't even open your home to house them? Hmm. I wonder who's desensitized. Now, the most hilarious part of this whole event by Ron DeSantis is the fact that he was one step ahead of everybody who would compl complain about it. The Democratic, you know, political enemies of Ron DeSantis in Florida, the state senators, state legislators, reeling, reeling on Twitter about this move, calling it uh, a, a political, you know, move, a, a, a leveraging and using people as political pawns. But DeSantis was one step ahead of all of them. How do I know? I give you page 25 of the Florida Freedom Budget from 2022 to 2023, stating that the government was setting aside $12 million from the state to deal with or facilitate the transport of unauthorized aliens out of Florida. And every single legislator that went on Twitter and complained about what Ron DeSantis did voted and passed that budget. So he's one step ahead. I mean, this guy is unbelievable. But anyway, quickly... The migrants were shipped off the island and sent to joint base in Cape Cod. And people say, and, and, and people wonder, you know, what, what's, what is all this? This is craziness. And, and some people don't like this. But really what it shows, what this halt did, it exposed the fact that America is very divided. And we're divided because we don't care about each other's predicament. We don't care about each other. We have a, an elite class. I call them the capital of the Hunger Games people that can live on the island of Martha's Vineyard and, and escape the realities, the harsh realities of the rest of the country, particularly the border states and border towns that are dealing with this problem. Consider the two worlds of Martha's Vineyard, who couldn't handle 50 migrants, and border towns in Texas. I'll give you two tweets, one from the Boston Globe. Emergency officials from Martha's Vineyard in the state will meet Thursday morning to map out the next steps for the estimated 50 migrants. So 50 migrants call for a state emergency, and Governor Charlie Baker calling the National Guard into action, over 50 migrants. But a border town called Del Rio, Texas, has 28,111 migrants from 50 different countries in one month alone. And the people of Martha's Vineyard yawn. They, who cares about their problems? We care about our Airbnb supply. That's what we care about. And, and never underestimate uh, the people who say they care, their ability to really voice things in such a way that they're trying to make a political point, but also betraying the fact that they don't care. They don't really care. So NBC News tweeted this out, quote, Florida Governor DeSantis sending asylum seekers to Martha's Vineyard is like me, quote, taking my trash out and driving to different areas where I live and just throwing my trash there. 
end quote, a founding member of a foundation which helps refugees, says, this is from at NBC Latina. <laughs> Sometimes they say the quiet part out loud. Sometimes they say the quiet part out loud. Taking the trash out, not a good look. Uh, founding member of a foundation which helps refugees, <laughs> not a good look at all. And then they shipped them off the island again in 44 hours. Somebody posted this on the web. I had to share it. This is them saying goodbye to the migrants on Martha's Vineyard shortly after they arrived. Watch. the half the glass tell me she does not live on Martha's Vineyard there's a party going on right here a celebration so yeah that's what happened it's funny in so many ways it's sad it's sad the people that suffer and the division of our country where what we see really is that both Republicans and Democrats do not care about illegal immigrants they don't want them neither want them it's just that the Democrats lie and say they do. <laughs> and that's what we just saw. That's really what was exposed. And I kind of want to just have a little bit more fun because, again, there's so much news that makes it depressed. But this one actually kind of we can laugh at. And there's plenty of humor to be had at this moment because just it really exposed the lunacy of the of the of the rich liberals that that feign care for the for the least among us. And so I want to do a new segment here on the deep end. It's called meme drop. You know what memes are? We just showed you one with the most interesting man in the world. I want to do a, a meme drop segment where we show you some of the funniest memes from the Martha's Vineyard moment. Let's go there. This is what we're gonna do. We're gonna cue some music and we're gonna do some corny memes. So here we go. The first one, it's not delivery, it's DeSantis. <laughs> the DiGiorno pizza logo there. Or how about this one? DeSantis Airlines, bring the border to you. Uh, I like this one. DeSantis with the chef sprinkle over the forearm of the Spanish country flags over the blue state of Massachusetts. This yard sign, hate has no home here, and neither do migrants. <laughs> Seen recently on the vineyard. Oh, I love this one. This one I saw first. This is Homer Simpson with the sign. You know the Homer Simpson meme where he shrinks into the bush and then comes back out? And <laughs> so he shrinks in with the, the yard sign. In this house, we believe black lives matter. No human is illegal. Science is real. Love is love. Shrinking back in with that sign, coming out with a no trespassing sign on Martha's Vineyard. Or Forrest Gump. And just like that. Martha Vineyard has a housing crisis. <laughs> President Obama, we just don't have the space. Prominent Martha's Vineyard resident explains the challenges facing the island community. Now, Ken, that's not real, ladies and gentlemen. I shared that on Twitter. Someone was like, that's not real. Of course it's not real. It's called humor. This is also not real. Just fair warning. Like the Obamas with their guns out, like the couple in <laughs> Missouri who had to defend their home against the peaceful protesters in the summer of 2020. Meanwhile, at Martha's Vineyard, or John Candy at the gate. Sorry, folks, Martha's Vineyard just closed. The rich white liberals out front should have told you. Anybody from vacation? Or this meme was sent to me by a friend. We go now to Martha's Vineyard Live, where they're amazingly putting up a border wall. Oh, I really love this next one. Watch this next one. Democrats have sprung into action and built an outdoor living center complete with beds and healthcare services for the 50 migrants at Martha's Vineyard. Just joking, that's the tent Barack Obama set up for his birthday party during the height of COVID. And that is a sincerely funny meme. It's so funny, we gotta go funny. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> so there's that one. And then John, oh, sorry, this is, uh, who is this Jim from The Office? Looking through the shades. Me watching Martha's Vineyard get all enriched by diversity. <laughs> I love that one. This is a recent meme picture. Then Pepe said, Chardonnay, por favor. This one was early on, illegal immigrants after one month on Martha's Vineyard. <laughs> they have the Vineyard Vines tat there. That's wonderful. Oh, Jeff Probes from the show Survivor. Last night, an historic episode of Survivor. 50 people were voted off Martha's Vineyard. And finally, a Civil War image of Barack Obama in Civil War our army uniform. My dearest Michelle, this day two of the siege on Martha's Vineyard. Invaders have me weary and stricken with defeat. I hope to secure provisions for the day and write you on the morrow. I fear the end is near. Signed, Barack. <laughs> so anyway, having some fun with the Martha's Vineyard moment. And I think that's important to do sometimes. But enough about my ideas concerning illegal immigration. We hear a lot of debate about whether or not we should embrace all these people. Isn't that the Jesus-loving thing to do? Or are they really com criminals coming over? That was what uh, they excoriated Trump over saying, right? Is this bad? And who are we, who, are, who am I, white, cisgender, heterosexual Christian pastor to say anything about this anyway? I'm, I'm an oppressor. You shouldn't listen to me. So good news. I have a staff member on the Tim Hatch Live team who is legally immigrated to this country. Her name is Sharon. She's fantastic. And we're going to have her on the deep end conversation right now. So joining me now on the channel is Sharon Rodriguez. Shannon works for the channel. She is our social media guru. Everything that you see, Instagram videos, TikTok videos, whatever you see on our social media accounts under my name, Tim Hatch Live, this is the lady that makes the magic happen. So welcome her to the deep end. Sharon, your first time. I hope you're not nervous. Welcome to the deep end. <laughs> Thank you, Pastor Tim. Um, I am nervous. I'm not, I don't really love cameras, but I'm happy to be here so you I like, can give you some perspective. You like to be behind the camera. Yes, exactly. That's that's my favorite spot. Yes. Sharon, you are from Nicaragua. Nicaragua. Sorry, I totally said that wrong. And you immigrated legally to this country. Welcome to America. We are thrilled to have you. You are an amazing worker. You do so well for us on this channel. Um, tell us about uh, yourself a little bit, how long you've been in the country and what you love about being here. Um, I've been here for um, a year and a half, almost two years at this point. I, uh, awesome. What I love about here, um, yeah. there's, I, I would say a lot of things besides my husband. <laughs> uh, what I love about this country is I love how laws in general are enforced to mm. everybody. Um, these are things that in Latin America, unfortunately, we do not really see. Mm. Um, and how people are respectful to these norms in general terms speaking, of course. So that takes us right into the conversation. Thanks for that lead in. Are you, and I'm just going to ask you real uh, poignant questions. Are you pro or anti illegal immigration? I understand people that are looking for a better life and a better future, but I also believe there is an order of things. Mm. And I think illegal immigration is hurting people that are coming and it's hurting to the country that's receiving them. So I, 
I do not agree with it. No, I can't. So coming from another country into this country and you aren't in favor of illegal immigration, which I have heard from so many legal immigrants. I'm married to a legal immigrant. Many people might not know that. Uh, But why? Why are you not for? Because the assumption from us, you know, American born people, a lot of us anyway, not me, but from a lot of us is that, well, surely the people who came here legally or are now here, even though they might be here illegally, they're against or I'm sorry, they're totally for this. So why are you not for illegal immigration? So a little bit about me. I grew up in a very dangerous neighborhood. I lived there for most of my life in Nicaragua. I had the enormous blessing of growing up in a Christian household. But to survive, you could say, in my neighborhood, you had to know all the criminals around it and they need to they needed to know you. Yeah. And because that's that's the way you could live there without um, being in risk. So I know for a fact that, and I will say most, because I've even gotten the list from my friends, um, all these criminals, people who are literally murderers that I personally personally known, know, um, thieves, murderers, rapists, they are here. <laughs> Already. And they're coming and they're coming illegally like that. They're coming illegally to this country. Yes. Okay. So the statement you just made, Donald Trump, former president, said in 2015 when he announced his run, it was his opening speech. His opening dialogue was that rapists and murderers were coming in illegally. And, you know, these countries weren't sending their best. And he was excoriated by the press and by a lot of liberals, of course, and by everybody who hated him that by as being a racist, xenophobic uh, you know, lying bigot. And yet you being a legal immigrant from a country that he mentioned would agree with that assessment that he made in 2015. I completely agree because I personally know these people. These are people that um, lived in my neighborhood. I know them. And I know for a fact in the past six months, we've had a lot of people Um, coming from Nicaragua. And for a fact, I can tell you that um, the people that I mentioned that have been in prison multiple times, people that in my country, you cannot even walk on the streets with your cell phone out because you would get mugged. Mm. And these are the people that are here. And you you say you know these people. How do you, for the skeptics, because I believe you, I mean, you work for our church as well. I have no reason to doubt your truthfulness and honesty, but for the skeptics out there who would say, oh, how does she really know those people? Explain that to them. So I grew up in the capital city of Nicaragua. It's called Managua. Um, It's I lived in a small neighborhood called Kawalinka. I learned English by myself and God blessed me with a very good job. Mm. So uh, with time, I develop, you know, different skills and abilities that I travel here for work. Um, then I met my husband. But most of my life, I spend it um, in that neighborhood. So, again, to be safe, for you not to be um, the victim of any of these people, you had to know them. So we were not friends, of course, but I had to know them and they needed to know me because that was that was my neighborhood. I would go out. Um, walk to the store. I would go walk to take the bus to go to work or to go to school. So 
for me to be safe, they needed to know who I was and I needed to know who they were. So, yeah. yeah. One of the things that you shared with me too earlier today when we prepped this meeting is that you uh, love about America, and you mentioned it earlier, the equality under the law. The law applies equally to all people and bribery is, well, for the most part, in terms of the police force and and the execution of those laws, pretty much non-existent comparative to other countries. Speak for a moment about why that is a compelling um, attraction to come to America because of the rampant bribery and corruption amongst the police force in, in a country such as your home country. Living in a country that is so corrupt, it's, it makes it even harder for you to, to navigate situations like that. If, you get, if you're driving and you get stopped by a police officer, there are 50-50 chances that that police officer is going to do his job and, you know, whatever you did, if infraction or whatever, or there is another 50% chance that he's going to try to frame you for something unless you give them money or they just for you to see um, to give because of any reason that maybe makes no sense mm. just for you to bribe them to give them money so they let you go and, and you said 50 50 percent like 50 50 50 shot that this person this police officer who should be enforcing the law equally is going to ask you for a bribe or hint at a bribe yeah that and not just not just the police you can find any if you try to if you're going to go through any process, for example, and you need to pay, you need to get paperwork or you need to pay your taxes, yeah. I would say a good 70 percent of any of the processes that you that you will go through, you can pay somebody, you can bribe somebody. Yeah, building to permits. Exactly. And anything related to that, you, you can pay somebody you have. And the problem is that you're put in a position that you either do it or you're not able to get done what you need to get done. Unbelievable. So we just discussed on the show, um, <clears throat> this is pre-recorded, but we, sh- we we discussed in the live show before this, because I know I wrote the script, that illegal immigration is exploding in this country uh, under President Biden. Uh, it is, I think the numbers are triple per month of illegals coming into the country uh, as opposed to the predecessor, Donald Trump. The borders, by all accounts, are completely wide open. Uh, This Martha's Vineyard thing makes us laugh a little bit, but there's a serious problem here that we have to address. If you had audience with the president and leaders of Homeland Security and and the the immigration department of our country, what would you, being a legal immigrant from that country, from another country, say to that, say to the powers that be right now? The thing that we love about this country is what's getting corrupted. What I love about this country is that there is order, there Mm. is law enforced to everybody, Mm. but that's completely the opposite of what's going on right now. The law is not being enforced and everything is done just for the looks of it, meaning that you need to have, you need to look compassionate. So you need to have good PR. So we're going to do this for the cameras. So they, people will not believe that we are, um, that we are bad. So Mm. Everything that's being done for other peoples to see, but they don't realize that these things have longer repercussions repercussions on this country. So, you know, what do you say? One last question to the person who, you know, they look at illegal immigration and they say, this is compassionate. This is what Jesus would do. 
this is what it says on the Statue of Liberty. Send us your poor. Send us your, you know, all the people who are oppressed, the, the, the downtrodden. You know, we should we should live up. We should embrace illegal immigration because after all, that's what Jesus would do. Jesus would have arms open. What would you as a Christian, legal immigrant Christian, what would you say to those people? Um, God is also order. Mm. And I am like I have a personal friend who actually he was in a situation of what he was being persecuted. Like this was a, a real case. And he came, he asked for asylum and he, it was granted. Mm-hmm. So for that, I'm, I'm all up for that. Yeah. You know, we are, we are to help. And he is, he's an honest person. He's hardworking, but yeah. then you get the other end of the, you know, the other end, which is you get all this other kinds of people coming in here the criminals. and there is no order to it. Yeah. I do believe God is order. And the reason why we love this country is completely being taken away. Mm. If this continues the way it's, it's going besides there are so many issues um, with child exploitation, like children, like yeah, child exploitation, right. um, where if you have a kid, it's much easier for you to go through, go through the border and kids are being sold, rented, so people can actually go through the border. So instead of doing something, I, and this is the thing about this country too, everything starts with very good intentions, but all those good intentions move so f- far that they end up at the other end when actually things end up being negative and bad. Yeah. Yeah. There comes a point where helping hurts. And I, as a pastor, say to people who say, well, Jesus would just welcome everybody. Well, at what point do we uphold the law to protect citizens? At what point do we say, well, Jesus would actually be a good shepherd and drive out the wolves? Like, at what point do we say Jesus would lay down his life at the gate? Like he, like he says, I'm a good shepherd. I lay my life down for the sheep. The image being of an ancient Middle Eastern shepherd laying at the gate of the sheep pen so that the wolves, if they try to come in through the gate, they meet the shepherd first. I mean, Jesus cast out the money changers. And I think, you know what? You nailed it by just saying God is a God of order. He is a God of order. I mean, that is, if I could drop this mic, I'd give it to you so you could drop it. I mean, seriously, that was a great answer. Sharon, thanks so much for being on the show. You know, you've just given a perspective to the viewers today that I think is so important and we value your contribution and uh, want to say thank you for being here. And I'll talk to you soon, of course, because we work together. Thank you, Pastor Tim. Take care. You too. God bless you. Now let's get back to the show live. Amen. All right. Different perspective, uh, helpful perspective. Thanks so much again, Sharon, for being on the channel. I hope your newfound notoriety doesn't go straight to your head. (laughs) But a a really important conversation to have and the facts that she shares personally. I hope you listen, share it with someone that you know who might be on the other side of this issue from someone who knows it personally and intimately what's going on at the border. Here's the problem. We need to pray for our country. We really do. We need to pray. And, and we need to see his, history uh, taught properly. Like what, what, the good that America has received, the West has received because of Christianity. That's what, I, that's what migrants are coming for. All the good and benefits we have to offer in this country. Where does it come from? It comes from the work of Christians in history. Every once in a while, CNN has someone on who says something that is actually historically true and accurate concerning our modern mo- movement or moment. That was last night on CNN's show with Don Lemon. He was interviewing someone during the Queen's funeral. May she rest in peace again. And this person, I don't know who it is, 
let me put this up on the screen. That's that's her face. She was interviewed at, in Potomac, Maryland, but she was she's British and she was talking about the question posed by Don Lemon on, you know, the royals make all this money and there's a bunch of billions in their bank accounts and there's a whole bunch of human rights abuses in the British Empire, as we talked about last week, you know, the, the, the left-wing progressive <laughs> speak over America's history. And he starts to talk about the topic of reparations. Shouldn't the royals pay reparations for exploiting so many people across the world, especially those Africans who were sold into slavery? And, and Don Lemon goes there and watch this woman's response. It is epic. Watch. Well, this is coming when, you know, there's all of this wealth and you hear about it comes as England is facing rising costs of living, a living crisis, austerity budget cuts and so on. And then you have those who are asking uh, for reparations for colonialism. And they're wondering, you know, one hundred billion dollars, twenty four billion dollars here and there, five hundred million there. Some people want to be paid back and uh, and members of the public are wondering, why are we suffering when you are? You know, you have all of this vast wealth. Those are legitimate concerns. Well, I think you're right about reparations in terms of if people want it, though, what they need to do is you always need to go back to the beginning of a supply chain. Where was the mm. beginning of the supply chain? That was in Africa. And when that crossed the entire world, when the slavery was taking place, which was the first nation in the world that abolished sla uh, slavery? The first nation in the world to abolish it. It was started by William Wilberforce, was the British. In, in Great Britain, they abolished slavery. 2,000 naval men died on the high seas trying to stop slavery. Why? Because the African kings were rounding up their own people. They had them on cages waiting in the beaches. No one was running into Africa to get them. And I think you're totally right. If reparations need to be paid, we need to go right back to the beginning of that supply chain and say, who was rounding up their own people and having them handcuffed in cages? Absolutely. That's where they should start. And maybe, I don't know, the descendants of those families where they died at the, in the high seas trying to stop the slavery, that those families should receive something too, I think, at the same time. Watch this. It's an interesting discussion, Hillary. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Oh, my word. She totally owned him. Another mic drop on the channel in one night, too, in one night. Unbelievable response historically telling the truth and that's what we need now more than ever before as we see our country and western civilization jettison that old dirty sweater called christianity what good did it ever do anybody only the most good for human history of all time uh we are going to pay a dear price if we don't wake up to the reality of what's going on in our world and we need to get educated and we need to know the truth because the truth will set us free and what truth and the truth will set us up for good in the future that is the episode tonight, guys. I'm so glad that you were here. Make sure that you are tuned in for tomorrow's deep dive. We are going through the book of First and Second Kings on the Kings of Compromise uh, topic. If you love verse-by-verse -verse Bible study, that is for you. Uh, and then also every first Thursday of the month, 10 questions with Tim. Never too early to get your questions in. And I'm going to make one more request, as I always do on the channel. Support the channel. Help us pay the bills. Help us keep this content coming to you if you benefit from it i'm asking your humbly i'm asking for your support so cash app uh cash tag tim hash live or tim hash live.com support the deep end is brought to you by tim hash live.com i have another book coming out guys i'm so excited because this morning or no late last night i sent the final copy to the publishers and pray for me and pray for the process that it comes out is on the book of ecclesiastes it's called ending emptiness i think it's a timely book on the heels of COVID and all the crazy emptiness that people feel right now. So looking forward to get that content to you. 
You can also buy my current book, Move, which is available for sale on Amazon.com right now. Guys, God bless you. Have a great night. Know your history. Again, i say it again so that we're not doomed to repeat it. Take care. See you tomorrow night.